Well, bless God. Happy faces? All right. Almost happy faces. Do you know, I was laughing when Tony was saying before about the woman from Proverbs and she sets her table and her kids sit round it and call her blessed. Ange opened a card from number one this morning. The front of the card said, thank you for feeding me and not letting me die. You kind of go, right, happy Mother's Day. That was the humour of number one. Anybody ever seen Jamie Oliver's 30-minute meals? Yes? You know, the 30-minute meal, he turns around and says, right, before we start, make sure you've got all your ingredients in place. Boil your kettle, turn your oven on, make sure it's all up to heat. Is that correct? Right, because time's already running away. We're going to be starting hot and not trying to build to something. Is that okay? Right, last time I ministered to you, I touched on the unstoppable power of one. Anybody remember? We looked at that unstoppable power of one that where we started in the book of Genesis and we were looking at the Tower of Babel and it says, and God says, if one people speaking the same language have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. You saw that when people can join and unite in a certain way, they can accomplish so much more than individuals. And the people said, God did not bring confusion. When you read in your translation, in your scripture, it says, and God confused their language. He did not bring confusion because scripture tells us he's not the author of confusion. He did not bring confusion. He removed understanding. So he removes understanding that these nations then break down and start to fill the whole earth as he told him to do in the first place. Doing a very quick recap for you. We looked and we said that Jesus had the 12 that he sent out. And when he sent out the 12, that was a witness to the 12 tribes of Israel. We had said that he then sends out the 70. Why 70 and not 72? Because in the translation in the Greek, it says in brackets, duo, which means two. So they added two to the 70 in your translation. But the 70 is there, which was there were 70 sent out to the witness to every nation as found out in the table of nations from Genesis 10. I am not looking to teach you this morning as much as I'd like to get into that area. I don't want to. Both groups of people were sent out with authority in his name to demonstrate the kingdom of God had come close to them. And we said and we declared and we stabilized and found out, we leveled once and for all, that our starting position of the modern day church is higher than their position. We are starting from a higher position position. They were coming into something when they were sent out. They're not even saved. They are moving in the power and the authority of go and use my name. They are not even baptized in the Holy Ghost. That comes later. The Holy Spirit came on people and he left. It's later that we have the Holy Spirit as a deposit guarantee in our inheritance, correct? These are all things we touched on last last time round. If you want to go and grab the CD, it might make a little bit more sense to you. But we looked at it and we said that when we saw the disciples, they were people who worked together, but yet it was every man for himself. Do not be taken in and just be befuddled when you look at the disciples. They were people together, but each one turned around and said, I'm part of the 12, I'm part of the 3, I'm higher than you. Who's going to be the greatest? Who sits at the right hand? Who's going to be at the left hand? Peter in the boat when they got in trouble, bailed on all his mates and went to where Jesus was. Where did Jesus put him? Back with his mates. It was each man for himself until Jesus Christ touches them in a completely different way. So we started to ask ourselves the question, wasn't it? What changed? And what changed is that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus meets them and for 40 days he touches them and he teaches them. And the scripture says from Luke 24 verses 44 to 49, it says, Then he opened their minds to understand the scripture. He told them, he told them, Um, This is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead and on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in every nation beginning in Jerusalem and you are my witness of these things. I am going to send what my father has promised but stay in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. 
He opened their minds to understand the scripture. And he said, from this moment, you will preach repentance and forgiveness to the nations of the world. He did not say, let's have a self-help gospel. He didn't turn around and say, let's just make a seeker-friendly church where everybody comes, no one changes, but everybody learns to adapt. I adapt to the environment that I'm in, but I didn't change. Jesus Christ says, we come, we preach a gospel message that sees a message of a transformed life. I hope I'm talking to that group of people this morning. We have a people, we have a body of people who are covered and changed and transformed by meeting the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But the thing that is key to me, and I've been thinking of this last few weeks, we touched on it slightly in our authentic group. If you're not in our authentic group, it's your own fault. But we, we touched on it slightly on Thursday night of saying this, that he opened their minds to understand the scripture. What was hidden, what was a mystery, was made known to them. Now, Revelation 10, 7 says this, But in, the days, in that day, the voice of the seventh angel will say, When it was about to sound, so he's about to sound the trumpet, then is finished the mystery of God according to the good tidings declared to his servants the prophets. There is a time when there is a symbol in heaven where God says, The mystery is removed. What was unknown becomes known to you and to I. What does Amos say? God does nothing without first revealing it to his servants, the prophets. The church is established on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. What is the key anointing of the prophetic? Revelation. What is the key milestone of the apostolic? Wisdom. So we build with wisdom and revelation. Jesus Christ opens their minds so that they will understand. What is hidden is no longer hidden. It's made known to you and me. Throw in a Brucey bonus. Revelation 19.10. And Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. He's looking to take what was revealed. The, the written word is made known by the living word. The living word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And so this guy, Jesus Christ, the carpenter's son, has been around them for three years, three and a half years, and he's in the position now where I've just known Chris, I've done something, we bound along, and suddenly there is a moment of revelation that everything he's been talking about suddenly makes sense. It all starts to make sense and it comes into alignment. The mystery is over when Jesus Christ touches you in a different way. Oh, the journey begins. We have a thing called process, but the mystery is open, isn't it? Jesus Christ is God's greatest move. The greatest move that God ever had was to send his son for you and I. The greatest move outside of Jesus Christ, but connected to it, is the raising and the rising of the saints. That's you and I. All right, well, thank you for that underwhelming response. You and I are... Here's the thing, we use this illustration on Thursday night. The the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, Jesus Christ. Is that right? You could touch it, you could feel it, he walked amongst them. He was real, it wasn't a story. It wasn't once upon a time in a land far, far away, there was this man called, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst them. Do you realise that that word that became flesh is still flesh today and living amongst mankind? It's called you. It's called you and it's called me. Why? Christ in you, the hope of glory. We are the hope carriers to a dying world. But you've been kicked and beaten up and told you're no good, you don't fit, you're never right, you're the wrong colour, the wrong size, the wrong weight, not educated enough, you haven't got this stamp, you haven't got that stamp, you haven't been through this course or that course, we're not talking to you. I beg to differ. God turns around and says, Eric, it's your day. Even outside of the church, he says, every dog will have his day. We have our position in him, isn't it? But this is where yours truly had an element of revelation. The eyes started to open in a completely different way. And I've started to see something. Now, I'm going to use a phrase which is familiar to Phil, which you know. I am not saying I'm right, but I'm not wrong. 
It works this way. Jesus Christ opens their minds to understand the scripture. Is that right? When he's had his death and resurrection, the Holy Ghost is then given to them as a deposit, guaranteeing their inheritance. But he says, stay in Jerusalem until you are endowed with power from on high, the promise of the Father. I am giving you the skeleton key of the Holy Ghost that will unlock the promises and mysteries of God. Think about this for a second. Question. We like to get to question, don't we? Question. We asked this on Thursday night and we had some funny answers and a variety of faces. We looked in our group. There wasn't many of us. We only had 12 of us on Thursday night. Out of 12, there had been total salvation 347 years. 347 years of people walking with God. And the question that came off the back of that was, why could you say more for him when you didn't know him than when you'd walked with him for 40 years? Oh, hang on a minute. Can I just let that tumbleweed just pass by the front of this auditorium this morning? You see, there is something that I believe is a missing ingredient. You see, we can turn around and say, God, you're moving, you're stirring our hearts. How do you mobilize the church? How do you mobilize the people? How do you gain a momentum? How do you go from inertia to pushing on? All of these things that we can ask ourselves. But I believe that there's one thing, and it's key. The ultimate power of one is when the word and the spirit connect in your heart and in your life, something changes. You accept Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. Who remembers? Forget that a second. Come off. We're going off reservation now. Who remembers the day and the moment you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? How many people would say, I felt like it wasn't, but I felt like the weight of the world was lifted, something different. It was like a Disney film. I was skipping through the tulips. That moment was an awesome moment. It wasn't like I just signed a piece of paper. You knew internally something happened. So what happened to cause you to be a mouthpiece and run around and tell everybody what went on was that not only was the word made revealed to you and that faith that was given is the gift of God without receiving that gift of faith. I cannot accept him in the first place when we read Ephesians. But when that came in, the Holy Ghost exploded on the inside. My dead spirit suddenly was made alive. And in it being made alive, the words came out of my mouth of the life I carried. So the question I would put on the premise I would have this morning is what stops us from being faithful and fruitful witnesses isn't that we don't know him. It's that we lost the Holy Ghost part of the way. All right, stay quiet then. We have declared right at the beginning, the mystery has been revealed and been removed, yes? That he, un- he touched their minds and enabled them to understand the scripture. Let me tell you three key things that have been said to the Dream Center in the last 12 months. What about the spirit is looking to arrest you so that he can rest on you, so that he will show you and make your skin or your spirit as sensitive as your skin that when you're in a different environment, you can just pick up what God is saying, what he's doing, what his heart, as he reveals the heart of the son, as he reveals his heart to mankind, he's looking to make your spirit that sensitive, not as numb as a pump. Not just walking around blunderbussing into stuff, but as we walk with him, he's looking to reveal the heart of God to you and me. To give you the words, to give you what to say, how to say, how to demonstrate it. What about this? Revelation and understanding are your portion. Who leads us into all truth? So the Holy Ghost leads me into all truth. Right, so what isn't he telling me? 
Because I'm sure that word just says all truth. So when I'm processing and I'm progressing and I'm walking in the spirit and walking in the light as he is in the light, there is nothing that he cannot reveal to me. He can reveal to you about family. He can show you how to run your business. He can tell you how to walk in the light. He can tell you how to find him. He can tell you there is no aspect of life that God cannot reveal to you by the Holy Ghost. Shall I tell you the true translation of Ephesians? Ephesians says this, be filled with the Holy Ghost. Is that right? Am I still on Bible? I don't need to turn to it, do I? Be filled with the Holy Ghost. The true translation is this. Be being filled with the Holy Ghost. Every day, there is this fresh filling because there is more he's looking to pour in. He's looking to pour into you. He's looking to pour into me. That we are a people who are transformed because transformed people can transform people. Pastor Tony, when he's talking this morning about to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed and God outstretches his arm. When he stretches his arm out and I reach back up, it's called reciprocation. I reciprocate. Morning, Chris. He reciprocated. I gave him a greeting and he reciprocated. He replies. So when God turns around and says, walk in the spirit, find your life in that, be in the light as I'm in the light. How about why don't we partner with Jesus Christ in the gospel? We reciprocate. He moves towards us. We partner. And then he says, once we've partnered, I can't help but give you the stuff you need. We keep trying to find the stuff outside of the word and outside of the Holy Ghost. I'm trying to find... What is the new management term? What is the latest book I can have? Where can I encourage myself? I can stand in the mirror. I can say every day, you're a lion. You're a lion. You're a tiger. Look at yourself raw. I can try and convince myself every day or the Holy Ghost can start to build the Christ within me, which will see me changed. And as I'm changed and transformed, I can't help but carry that life wherever I go. See, the... How honest can it be? Can I be honest, Phil? Or can, I be, what, can I be honest, Phil? Yes. Honest, Phil. Right, honest, Phil. Most of us are so miserable carrying no life that when we go outside and tell people, you need Jesus Christ because look at me, I've got it. <laughs> I go, if you're the advert, I think I'm doing all right. If that's blessing, I think I'm doing all right. If that's having a bit of joy and a bit of life in you, I think I'm doing all right. There has to be something inside you and I that sparks the life in somebody else that turns around and says, I want to be like you. Who, who? (laughs) I want to be like, what is it? What is it that's different about you? Why didn't you respond that way? Why didn't you just smack him in the mouth like you should have? Because I know the world I live in. I don't know about the world you live in. But people do go, why didn't you smack him in the mouth like I should have smacked him in the mouth? Why did you act something? I would, again, it was, seems like it was the gospel according to authentic. But no, on Thursday night, we're talking. Angie got in with a bunch of girls from school. Angie's like a yummy mummy now. She's like, there she is. She's a grandma, but she takes Ruby to school. And she's in with these like late 20s, early 30s. And she's there, and they've been around, and why don't you come with us? And we're going for a meal, and we're doing stuff. She's writing, and she's helping. She's doing different bits and bobs. And she was out last week, and the girls turned around and said, we can't figure you out. And Angie's like, you know, I'm a bit of an open book. What can't you figure out? You're just too nice. Why are you kind when none of us look at that situation and say, we would not act like you? Right, well, that's for another day. That's for another day. There is something that we change. You know when we turn around and use the term that there is nothing new under heaven? Whether you've got music or fashion or taste or hairstyles, the mullet is coming back. I'm telling you guys. The mullet is coming back. Do not slag the mullet. One day the mullet will come back. Chrissy's going to be the first one who's lining up for the mullet. But there is the word that when you step back and you read historically what's said, when you listen to prophetically what's being said, what's been pushed out there, 
Smith Wigglesworth, one of the greatest attributes for the moving of the spirit and the word together, had made this declaration while I was in Australia, that the final revival and strength of the church and growth and explosion in the world will come when the church puts the word and the spirit together. We either want all word and we're all dry, or we want all spirit and we're all flaky. When God turns around and said, both of these aspects come together. So these aspects are brought out. So again, like we said, that word became flesh. There is an awakening that is coming to and is already in the dream center. Question, is it in you? Are you getting to the place yet where God actually goes, Veronica, I actually made it slightly uncomfortable for you this morning. Why? Because I'm dealing with some of those areas you don't want to deal with. True, true. Yeah, we all know Veronica needs dealing with. Come on, if we're going to get an amen this morning, let's just say how God needs to deal with Veronica. We're working about what this Holy Ghost is, this key which is unlocking so much for us. But yet we see these 12 men, or this time there's 11 individuals. They meet Jesus Christ, they're touched, and then it says in the scripture, and the day of Pentecost fully came. When it came and they have that Holy Ghost encounter where there's one people in one place, in one accord, with one desire, with one prayer, and the Holy Ghost came down as as of tongues of fire upon them, there was the birthing of the one-man company. No longer is it every man for himself. We, again, we've not got time. The disciples, it says, when we get to Acts 2, and the 11 stood with Peter. We already covered last time. If I'm, Pete, if I'm Peter, I'm not looking at what the guys are doing because everybody else is going, he bailed on him a month ago. <laughs> he betrayed him, he bailed him, he's the one. But the 11 stand with him and something is birthed in the hearts of the people. So now we can change tack. Is that all right? We've built our foundation, so we're okay. So the 11 stand with Peter. They stand in the power of the word and of the spirit. Remember what we said. If a people of speaking the same language, what will be impossible for them? Remember the story from the Tower of Babel. And every man heard them speaking in their own tongue or language. Why? Because one message was spoken out, but whether I was Greek, Cypriot, Finnish, German, stick name here, don't care. Whatever it was, the, re- the Holy Ghost brings the revelation of understanding to them. They hear that message of repentance and forgiveness, and they move towards the story of the Christ. The Spirit nailed home that living word. Amen? So the church is then birthed. It's birthed on the DNA of this one-man company. All you need to do is start to read the book of Acts. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to breaking of bread, to fellowship. They wanted the same things. They're moving in the same direction. There is no splinter group. The first time you see a splinter group is when it said we had the Hebrew widows compared to the Greek widows and who's going to make sure that they're fed. There is the breaking down, but all of the time there's this one-man company because this one-man company must reflect one thing, the high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ, that they may be one as we are one. Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost partner together to bring you a dynamic Christian life. I see we don't have that many dynamic Christian lives, so we'll try and work on that one. Apart from Julie being extremely, just she's in, she's on board this morning. This life is meant to have it that you can have life and life in abundance. Right. Is that a little bit? Is that just a scraped in? Is that like, do you know what? I went to Stablegate this week and I uh, look over my shoulder because I've done something wrong. I went to Stablegate, I was having myself a cavalry and a man said, yeah. Extra Yorkshire pudding for you. Whoa, hey, the blessing of God. I got an extra Yorkshire pudding. Getting something like that is not the blessing of God to us. We carry a life that enables us to walk with our heads held high. Is the lifter of my head and the lover of my soul. 
It didn't matter where I came from, where I'd been, what I've done, what I was guilty or not guilty of. The journey when I came, he bought me, he paid for me, he said that I'm clean, he called me a son, he puts a ring on my finger, he puts a robe on my back and he says, let's make this journey together. And then I start bailing out. But I'm putting you in the boat that you may be one as we are one. Thanks, Jesus. I'm going this way. Get back in the boat. All of the time, he's looking to keep the one man company. Ephesians 4 says this, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, there is one Spirit, just as you were called into one hope. You were called to one Lord, in one faith, in one baptism, with one God and Father of all, who is all and over all, in all and through all. What number are we shouting about? One! The whole Jesus and the Holy Ghost coming together was to produce A one. There is one head and one body. Who are we? Well, I'll guess about that one. We're the body. Yes, Jesus Christ the head. We're the body. He's doing everything to see that all brought together. So the enemy understands the one thing that you don't want is to be joined together because a house divided against itself will not stand. So let me read you this scripture. I don't know if you've ever seen in context before. In fact, I won't read you the scripture because I've not got time, but I'll just mention it to you. In 1 Corinthians, it turns around and says this. And some have said, I will follow Paul. And others have said, I will follow Apollos. And others say, I will follow or follow Jesus Christ. So by the time the church has already been established, this one-man company starts to fragment and then polarize around an individual instead of the body of the, of the church of Jesus Christ around Jesus Christ. Now I'm after Chris. Now I'm after Kath. Now I'm after Mary. And Paul then spends the rest of his letters telling the church how it needs to be one. How everything is pulled back. There is such a power and a defining moment in this one. So now I'm going to ask you about your homework. Oh, right. It's like being at school now. Now you're all looking down at your toes, going, what homework did he give us? Now remember, I asked you a question. I always ask you a question, but I asked you a question. The question went like this. Are you a spectator or a stakeholder? And I said, will you go away this week, ask yourself that question, and pray it through? I take it from your response that we're still working on that one. I've left it in God's inbox, and I'm going to make sure that that gets resolved in the not-too-distant future. I'm going to deal with these issues. But we talked about if you're a stakeholder, you cannot help but have that one-man company established on the inside. So now I'm going to help you. Am I all right to help you? Okay. My main scripture text this morning is Acts 19. I'll read it to you. You don't have to turn to it. Acts 19, verses 1 to 7. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Then they answered, no, we have not even heard of the Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, so what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of Jesus, uh, the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 in all. This is such a story and a reflection of the modern day church. What baptism did you receive? I had the buy-in factor over here. I went to a Christmas production. I went to Billy Graham. I went to somewhere and I bought in. Well, what did you do after buying in? Is there anything else to do after buying in? There's a question that can only have two answers. I don't move forward because I don't know. Or I don't move forward because I know 
and choose not to move forward. So Paul turns around and says to these people, disciples, they're disciples of John. They're not even disciples of Jesus Christ because they don't know about him. I've got John's baptism. Yeah, but you do realize that he came to tell you about Jesus Christ. Oh, nobody told us about that bit. Jesus Christ come instantaneously, they receive that message, and then he lays his hands on them, and they're filled with the Holy Ghost, and the Spirit comes upon them, and instantly they begin to... And to... Wow. Do you know that's 50% more than most of us do? 100% more than some of us do. See, we turn around and go like this, Dave, I want you to do, we're going to have Pentecost, we're going to pray for the Holy Ghost to come on you, and when you come on you, the best thing that ever going to happen, mate, you're going to speak in tongues. Brilliant, why did it stop there? Can I not pray for Dave and go, Dave, we're going to pray for the Holy Ghost, and you know what's going to happen? You're going to be a mover in signs and wonders, miracles. You're going to see the dead raised, you're going to push in, because that's going to be your portion. Why do we keep settling for, why do you have that bit, instead of everything that he's pouring out? Please, don't think I've just kicked tongues. I speak in tongues in my heavenly language all the day. Why? Because it's selfish. It's selfish for me. It edifies me. It causes my spirit man to grow. It makes room. It helps me. The scripture turns around and says, what good is it today if I speak in tongues unless there is an interpretation of what I'm saying? It's about my personal edification. But it is the gift for every single one of us who believe in Jesus Christ. Read Mark's Gospel. You'll believe and you will speak in tongues. Apart from Dave. Because Dave's not speaking in tongues, he's working in miracles. Next week, Dave, that's you, that's your testimony. There's the element of pouring out of why do we want to settle for so little? Why is it always, whether it's in life or in the church, we allow people to put a glass ceiling over us? Chris, you're special and you walk with God, so the highway to holiness, the highway to Zion is open before you. Dave, you're still a bit of a scuffer yet. You've not worked your stuff out. So let's just polarize around Chris. We set false ceilings over ourselves of going, well, that's for the pastor, or that's for the elder, or that's for the special one, or that's for the one who prays four times a day, and that was for Dave because he did fast last week. We compartmentalize and we stick glass ceilings over everything. Stop being limited. I said, stop being limited. I don't want to embarrass him. I didn't have time to talk to him, but I'm going to embarrass him anyway because he's his own fault. Simon is sat at the back. My friend, Simon. We talk about how you can have these encounters that cause you to connect to the Holy Ghost. When I first came into the Dream Center, Simon was one of the people who really helped to get me established, to put me on the way of what should be done right. 29 years ago, sat in a little flat above the washing machine repair shop across the road that isn't even there anymore. Simon, Pastor Tony, and myself went in, was having a night, we started to talk, from starting to talk, we started to pray, from starting to pray, we found ourselves on our knees. From being on our knees, the Holy Ghost turned up. Now, I can tell you in my own life, 29 years after that event, the aftershock is still taking place. If we can just turn around and go, oh, do you remember when, Brenda? It was that... The living, working Holy Ghost that's on the inside of us that is forming the Christ, bringing us to maturity, leading us into all truth, is opening so many doors for us. But when you've encountered him, you know you've encountered him. If somebody turns around and goes, do you get filled with the Holy Ghost? Let me think. Where was I? I was was in Bradford once. Uh, Felt a bit of a breeze on the back of my neck. Not sure if it was that or the person behind me. Uh, was I sat in a draft? You know when you've encountered the Holy Ghost. And let me tell you something. The Holy Ghost knows when he's encountered you. He's looking to change us. So why can't we not only be the one-man company, why can't we be the first company? Why can't you be the first to go to university? Why can't you be the first to own a house? 
Why can't you be the first to stay married in your family? Why can't you be the first millionaire? Why can't you be the first to go on a missions trip? Why can't you be the first to give your creativity some responsibility? Why can't you be the first to turn around and say, we're praying for the sick? Why can't you be the first to say, I said something to somebody outside? Why can't you be the first to say, it works? The limitations that are placed on us are first placed on me by me. One of the greatest things I ever heard in life was one simple statement. People can say whatever they want to you, but it only becomes a reality when you say it to yourself. So somebody can turn around and say, Phil, you're a dead leg. Yeah, so what? You think what you want. I think you're fat. He's... That's that, I'm still working on the turning the other cheek bit. (laughs) People can say what they want and can say you're a duffer. But when I get up and go, do you know what? You can't do it, you're a duffer. You can't can't think, you can't change. Once I set the limitations on me, I haven't got time to explain this. I'll make this statement, and if you want to ask me about it, we'll deal with it another time. But it works like this. The enemy of your soul can only deceive you when you first deceive yourself. If I deceive myself, he can build on it. We all know the scripture. Resist the devil. Right. So I thought you just said you knew the scripture. Submit or honor God, resist the devil and he will flee. When I'm walking a submitted life, he's got no entrance point. I'll let you do your own homework. Find the scripture that turns around and says, Woe to the man who breaks down his own wall, for he will be bitten by a snake. When I'm breaking down my own walls, I make room for something to bite me. And I don't know about you, I've been bitten a few times. I've still got the teeth marks in a few occasions, I can assure you. So the question came out to Paul, from Paul, to these people, as he's on his way to Ephesus, is, so what baptism did you receive? What baptism did you receive? The disciples, when they meet Jesus Christ, are first on, and these disciples as well, they're upgraded, word-based first. These guys in Ephesus, they were upgraded spiritually first. And then it says for the next two years, Paul taught them in the school of Tyrannus everything that had gone down. The disciples and the Lord opens their mind to understand the scripture. Then they're empowered. These guys were empowered. Then they had understanding. Whichever way it comes, get both. Whichever way it it comes, get both. Again, I have shared this testimony with you, and I make no apologies for it. The night I came here, 32 years ago, sat on the back row. It was on a Sunday night. I came kicking and screaming. You think I was kicking and screaming? You should have seen Pastor Tony. Yes, the person called Pastor Tony was kicking and screaming at the back, going, making every reason why we couldn't come to the meeting. We got here. I'm sat at the back. There's a guy preaching called Andy Keith. He's preaching a very simple gospel, and something has got the back of my pants that's lifting me out of the chair because my backside ain't going anywhere. But the Holy Ghost reached down and go, you are doing this, fella. And I find myself at the front. I know I'm living like a dog. I am making no excuses for it. We had been in church, been away. There'd been a church split. The church had fallen down. We'd never been discipled. We'd never been ingrained or indoctrinated with anything. We've, there's nothing. We've got no format apart from we used to go to church. So you're doing any kind of life any way you want because we had this gospel that says once you have salvation and you've got that fire insurance policy stuck in your back pocket, it didn't matter how you live your life because you were bought and paid for by Jesus Christ, so it didn't matter. So you could pick up that scripture. The more I sin, the more he forgives because I was a Burke. I didn't know any better. I always knew that it wasn't right, but I felt, ah, this scripture is a coverall for everything in my life. I come to the front. 
in coming to the front in a place I didn't want to be to listen to a message I didn't want to listen to, who greets me at the front? My school teacher. Peter Nixon was a sixth form tutor. I just had him for the last year. I'd not seen him for a few years. He's here, and he went, I know you. And I went, yeah, I know you, bud. Everything wants to make you run away and go and do something different. And he just said a simple thing. I just feel the Lord saying to you, sing this song, Walks Away. Thank you, Peter, for all your help. I've just backside out this. I don't want to be here. Dragged out to the front. I don't know any of these people. I feel embarrassed. It's all going on. I'm standing here. Sing a song. Now, you know me as being the voice of an angel. Is it a nightingale or is it a gale in the night? I can never get that one right. But either way, I start to sing this song. And in singing this song, this heavenly language came out. I start singing in tongues. Let me tell you how nuts that feels. Not because I was doing something that I didn't know how to do. It was the turmoil that went on the inside that said, I came for forgiveness and you have poured out your goodness. Man, blew my socks off. That Holy Ghost encounter lives with you forever. So you know when Tony turns around and says, I know that he lives because he lives within my heart. Let any of you ever have an argument with me about the Holy Ghost. No one convinced me. I'm here not wanting to be here in a message I don't want to hear to meet people I don't want to see. To stand here to sing is something I don't do. Everything was against, see, you, you don't get this, see, you, this is different, you're a different generation. I came from the generation of being in a brethren church that turned around and said, and then people who speak in tongues are actually demonic. You know we've got a bit of turmoil going on. And this is all nuts. Now I'll give you the Brucey bonus side, this is the fun bit. I get home. I'm like, I haven't a clue what's gone on, but there's a skip in the step. It's all going on. I don't know. I haven't got words. I walk at that door. Tony grabs me by the scruff of the neck. What are you doing, you idiot? You're letting them con you. You're letting it. I go, well, hang on a minute. One, you stood at the side of me. Yeah, it's not the point. I wasn't con like you were conned. I heard that rubbish coming out of you. I go, oh, I still got the skip. It's all going on. I got the skip. It's getting in. I get in bed like that. I've not been married long. Got married in the August, was here in the November. Yeah. Get in bed. We're living at Angie's mum's because our house is being done up. So we're in the front room, in the bed with a gas fire on. You know, it's in there. Get in there. And I just think, full in, Calagasita, I thought. Phil suddenly got spiritual. Han, shall we pray before we go to sleep? She's like, you what? <laughs> Shall we, shall we pray before we go to sleep? Whatever, you div. Because she was very encouraging. I'm lying there. It's going somewhere, don't forget. I'm lying there. All of a sudden, I got, as Catherine would say, Calagasita, Alava Shandy. She jumped straight out of bed. What the heck is that? What is that? You are never going back. To Crazyville. <laughs> Just letting you know, this is year 33 of being back in Crazyville with the person who didn't want the encounter believing that we was nuts in the first place is your pastor. The question goes like this. So what baptism did you receive? No, I didn't turn around and say to you, oh, Alvin, if you didn't do a cartwheel down the street, you didn't get filled with the Holy Ghost. It's not the question that I'm asking. The question was this. There was three levels. There was the, I have John's baptism. I have the baptism of Jesus Christ. And then I have the baptisms of the Holy Ghost. So what are some key features of a buy-in believer? So a buy-in believer is somebody went, yes, I'm in, I'm in. I'm in, but that's where I stayed. 
Now, I didn't call you a buying believer. I'm just going to give you some hallmarks. And if it's you, it's not my problem. Deal with it. Just letting you know, I'll give you some pointers. Number one of being a buying believer. The main emphasis is my own personal relationship with God and no corporate identity. So everything is about, it's just me and Jesus, says who? I could explain lots of these, but I'm not going to. So I stand with this, my walk and my life is about me and Jesus. I have no corporate responsibility. I don't, make, do you know what? This is how bad things get. I've got to keep this in context, but how bad it was. You know, like we had all the snow, it was Wednesday, it was Thursday. We was calling up the Arctic Explorer here to come and dig us all out. And we went, do you know what? We're not too sure what's going to happen. People can't get from here to there. We've got the old people. Will the heating be working or not? We'll cancel. So we cancelled. Saturday afternoon, the sun came out, everything cracked. It's like, blow my neck. There's people sunbathing in the middle of Drolsden. It's all kicking off. And so then it's Sunday morning. You get up. Do you realise how lost you feel going? I'm sure I should be doing something else. And you're doing things thinking, I don't, I don't feel right. Why? Because I don't just want to be with him. Believe it or not, I quite like being with some of you. I mean, with, with you. Yeah, wrong answer. No. I want to be with you. Because you actually make me feel better. And I'll hopefully, I make you feel better. Uh, we're working together, aren't we? Without realising it, we can often become benefit-driven. I'm in it for what I draw to my own life and circumstance. So, there's all oh, this healing this morning. Well, that's just for me. There's something here. Well, that's just for me. We're never looking and going, do you know what? That word. You must have experienced it, every single person. You've been in a meeting... You're in a meeting, something goes on. It doesn't even have to be in a formalized meeting. You can be in a care group. You can be a bunch of friends talking together. And Jane says something, and when Jane says it, you go like that. If only Mary was here. <laughs> Mary needs to hear that word. Tell me you've never been in a situation and you've always thought of how the word must go to somebody else and not come to you. That repentance message, I'm telling you, Mary, she's into this, I'm telling you. Where altar's open, she's straight in them. When all of the time the word and the life is being shared, it's to develop us and make us more like him. Yes? When I read the word, it's all about me. Where is my promise? Underline it. Now you all know the story of my grand's promise box. All right. How many more times do I have to tell you about this promise box? My gran had a little box, the little scrolls inside of it, and you had a little pair of tweezers, and you kind of went like this. You dipped it out, you pulled it out, and a Bible verse, and that was God's promise to you for that day. Do you know what? I don't need a promise box, because I've got the vault. And when I start to learn to apply this, that the word becomes real to me and I become real to the word, things might be different. But when I'm just looking for my benefit, it shows me I'm still at buy-in. Prayer is defined by how quick I get my shopping list answered. All right, keep sniggering. Because my prayers are, God, you know my needs. God, you know about my situation. Yes, I know about your situation, but can you lift your eyes out of your own belly button and think about Mary who might need some prayer, that I'm standing with a brother or a sister, I'm praying for a nation, he's put the heart, on, the heart of the nations on my heart, I can be moved to something else. Because again, there's an old guy called Mr. Tippett. Now, I knew Mr. Tippett 40 years ago. And he was an old man when you thought people 40 was old. <laughs> Do you know like when you're an age and you see somebody 40 and you go, oh, he's old. He's old, 40. He was old when I thought people of 40 was old. And he'd say this to me, he'd say, Phil, take care of God's business and he'll take care of yours. These are diamonds in the rough, aren't they? The diamonds that it was like, right, can I, 
the biggest issue that you find is that do you not know that your father knows you have needs? The issue is you don't think he knows. So I'll keep banging on the door saying to him, you, you know I need a fiver. Eric, Eric, I need a fiver. Eric, did you get the message about the fiver? Text him twice. Hi, Eric, how are you doing? Uh, about that fiver. Because we always have an agenda. You can never ask for anything without putting a caveat before, can you? Oh, yeah, do you see the football yesterday? Have you got that fiver? <laughs> we go to God and this premise of all the time, I've got my agenda and my needs here. I'll cover it in this and try and pretend it's not what I want, but everything is still about me. Sometimes when I can stop looking at me and find what's on his heart and push it, I get sorted out a bit quicker. I don't know if that's your experience, but I find it's been mine. Personal edification. So we corporately come together. What do we do? Corporately come together. And every one of us loses the verse from the Bible as we're walking through the door. And each one has. So now we become consumers rather than initiators. So where is the word of faith? Where is the prayer? Where is the thanksgiving? Where is the prophecy? Where is the word of encouragement? Where is body life looking like body life? Or do I sit here going, I pay you, Tony. Get it sorted. That must be your job, that bit. Every one of us are initiators of life. If I can connect the word to the spirit... And give him that free reign that says, Phil's famous statement, um, the only thing, the only thing can ever be on my tomb, it's all part of the adventure. When I turn around and say, God, let's start that adventure together. Hey, I want again that day that I had here. When you've gone out and it's all going, every day can be walking out of my front door going, whoa, hold on world, I'm back. See, we can get so lost in the scripture when we start to read it. Said, And the apostles did amazing miracles and works. And you go, right, well, look at that job of the apostles. Do you know when Jesus Christ turns around and says, and these things, Chris, will you do and greater? What was the greater that they would do that Jesus Christ didn't do? Because I think he covered quite a lot of boxes. It's not just signs and wonders. You take the likes of the apostle and he's working in your life. The miracle worker produces a miracle worker. The life you carry can be replicated in the life of another. How selfish we can be that when we're carriers of hope to run around like this. You don't know. I'll leave you in your despair. Ruby does a thing with us at the minute. She comes in. She's trying to get your attention. She goes, right, I'm the teacher now. I'm the teacher. Everybody be quiet. (laughs) And she goes like this. Zip it, lock it, stick it in your pocket. (laughs) Must be something they do at school. (laughs) I am the teacher. You must zip it, lock it, and stick it in your pocket. And she literally says it like that. And then you'll get the, you will be on the thinking step if I hear one more thing out of you. So she's been in school. You and I have so much words of life that we carry, but as soon as we walk out of this door, we go, zip it, lock it, stick it in your pocket. I'll be a carrier of hope to myself. Because what if I lose it? How am I ever going to get it back? You're never going to lose it as we're pursuing. So question for you. Time's gone. Five minutes. Question for you. Question goes like this. That God has declared to us at the end of 2017 that quick growth is coming. What kind of growth? Right. So where did that move you? What have you been praying and what has God been saying? Because guess what? You need open homes. You need open hearts. 
You need open friendships. You need to be able to see people established. You need to see, you might go, do you know what? I'm not absolutely grounded in word myself. No, but you can give somebody a dinner. You could offer somebody a brew. You can do something that says, do you know what? Let's make a journey together. Start somewhere. Or are we sat here going, oh, more people are coming. I might have to get here a bit earlier. Do I need one of them reserve signs that Tony's got at the front? You know, Tony don't need a reserve sign. If you sat there, he's going to tell you to move. You don't need a reserve sign. What are you and I doing about it? Let me sum up two stories really quickly. Jesus meets the woman at the well. He meets the woman at the well who has a history. Don't have you noticed? She's got a history. And just in case you didn't know, read John 4. She's got a history. Jesus speaks to her about the man you're with is not your husband. You had five before. The man you are with, number six, is not your husband. Man number seven sets her in order. Yes? She puts down her water pot, which is her need, runs back to the city to come and see a man who told me all that I did. The spirit and the word working together invaded her life, which caused her to run out and tell somebody else. Here's your Brucey bonus without taking any time. The woman at the well that you read in John chapter 4. John chapter 4 and that well of Jacob is connected to the story of Shechem from Genesis 34. The story of Genesis 34 is that Dina was raped by the men of Shechem, or a man from Shechem. The brothers of Dina say to the men, you must all be circumcised if you want to marry her. Then they come in and take their revenge and kill everyone while they're in their pain and cannot move. The behavior of one man caused a nation or a city to fall. The life of one man came back to that city and brought it life. We could preach on that all day, but that's for another day. It's also the city that Philip went to and saw full explosion and revival when you start reading the book of Acts. It tells you of that woman that there was her who was the one told many, and from that many, they told many more. Your one conversation can have such a knock-on effect, what's it going to do? Final scripture. In Mark 5, 18 to 20, it says this, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him to go with him. What did he do? Begged him to go with him. I'm coming with you. I've been in the cave. I've been here. I've been bound. I've been living in a graveyard. I'm coming with you. Stay here. Go home to your people and tell them just how much the Lord has done for you. So when was the last time you even told your family? All right, we'll move on then. And it says, from there he went to Decapolis. Now it's only when you can be bothered reading and you're checking your footnote or doing something else. He went to Decapolis. Decapolis means ten cities. He went to ten cities declaring what God had done for him. So the question this morning is, so what baptism did you receive? Are we still looking and saying, well, I had John's baptism because I bought in. I found this Jesus bloke because it's kind of all right. Or do we have one where Jesus, the repentance, so a life changes. I come to Jesus Christ who gives me everything I need for life and godliness. Meets that spirit dynamic that causes everything to come to life. Because you know something? Again, I'm throwing this in. I shouldn't do. Throw it in. Genesis 1. Darkness was over the face or the surface of the earth, wasn't it? And the Holy Ghost is hovering there. And God said, let there be. And there was. The Holy Ghost will not move in the power he holds until it comes in direct connection to the word. Let there be, and there was. We are the word made flesh. The spirit comes to us. Now there must be a creation of life. Let's stand to our feet. Time's gone. Thank you for your patience.
I believe 100% this morning, 100% that if we're turning around and saying, God, you've got to do something in the Dream Center, it'll do when you and I start to cry out for the Holy Ghost in a different way that says, allow that word to be made known to me, but then impact that by the power of the Holy Ghost. So my prayer moving forward has got to be, God, I need to encounter you in a new way, the Holy Ghost that you establish something on the inside. So we're just going to take one minute out. Come on, church, let's just raise our holy hands. I can only pray for me. I can't pray for you. But my prayer and my desire is Holy Ghost, as you're looking to mobilize, as you're looking to change, as you're looking to bring growth and change, Lord God, I pray right now, Lord, that I'll not be a hindrance to you, but that, Lord God, Father, I'll be part and parcel. That, Lord God, when you ask me which baptism I have, that, Lord God, I was never sprinkled, I was immersed. That, Lord God, I pray for a total immersion of the Holy Ghost on every life that's found in the Dream Center. Oh, Lord God, I pray that you will make the word a reality. Lord God, your word tells us that when the man came to Jesus, it says of him, and they took Jesus at his word. Lord God, I pray that we will take you at your word this morning as you establish something in our hearts. We pray, Holy Ghost, make everything such a reality to us. Break that ceiling that's been set over our lives, Lord God. Cause us to be light and life. Hope to the nations, Lord God, as we carry your word, we carry your life. And the people of God said... Amen. 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 Bless you. Let's just leave you this morning with may the Lord bless you and cause his face to shine upon you.